Hello and welcome to another episode of Don't Shit on the Bus. I'm your host, Adam Elmakaias, tuning in all the way from Los Angeles, California, for episode number 88, featuring my new friends, Gabe and Sam of the Ex-Ambassadors. We've got another one of those crew and band member episodes. We did it with Mark Hoppus and Robert. We did it with Tom and Youngblood. And we did it with Rule and Michelle. And today we've got the wonderful Gabe and Sam. Now, Gabe is tour manager. Sam is the lead singer of the Ex-Ambassadors. And they have been touring together for over 10 years. We did have Seth, their manager, on a few weeks ago. And he's like, yo, you got to meet the band, though. They're really cool. And you know what? They did not disappoint. They are great people. I enjoyed experiencing the relationship just for an hour, but it was, it was a good vibe. It was cool, you know, hearing their different viewpoints and how they kind of grew together on the road. It takes a lot to stay together through touring in a van to growing all the way to a bus. And there's a lot of growing pains. And a lot of times artists will kind of shed their touring crew because people who start with them don't always progress with them at the same rate. However, that is not true for Gabe. Gabe has progressed with them you know, going from wedges to in-ear monitors or going from sleeping in the van in a parking lot or getting hotel rooms where you had to share them to, you know, having your own hotel rooms or flying to shows. They have grown together and that's cool. And I just, I wanted to take an hour to talk about that growth and kind of just hear some stories from the road. And I enjoyed doing that. So thank you, Sam. And thank you, Gabe, for joining me for an hour. I know that we've never met in real life, but I look forward to hopefully meeting you all one day in real life. And of course, thank you to our patrons. We have three new patrons to the week who I would like to welcome to the bus. We've got Kate, Rubab, and Kayla. Rubab, I hope I said that right. What a cool name. Thank you guys so much for your weekly support. Everybody else who's been supporting it as well. We are almost to 100 patrons, which is kind of cool. Thank you guys. That's that's a lot. And you know, it's okay. Not everybody needs to, needs to subscribe. We just need a few of you to support it. Help pay the good people that run this bad boy. But if you want to support in a non-monetary form, leave a review. That helps so much. If you're on Spotify, you can star it. Anything like that, that takes a second of your time goes so far for me because it makes other people think, wow, this podcast could be legit, even though it has a really silly name. And I need all the help I can get with a name like we've got. But we've got, we got things to teach, people to help, and hopefully we'll get you guys on the road. If you've gotten on the road through the help of Don't Shit on the Bus, please shoot me an email. Adam at adamomakais.com. I want to hear from you and I want to know about it. I am putting something together with that information. So reach out. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get on to the podcast episode with Sam and Gabe. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Don't shun the bus. I'll see you next week. Welcome to the podcast, guys. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Happy to be here. It's not too often that we have two people on here, but I am excited when we get it. But can you guys introduce yourself just because people will only be hearing your voice, some people? I'll let Sam go first. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, my name is Sam Nelson Harris. I'm the lead singer for a band called X Ambassadors. And I've been doing this for a very, very long time. My name is Gabe McNatt. I'm the tour manager, production manager for X Ambassadors and some other acts as well. Well, I had the pleasure of having your manager on, Seth, a few weeks ago. And I got some of the good stories about ex-ambassadors, but the, the thing that I like about your team is just, you guys have been working together for so long. Everybody. Yeah, yeah well, we really, we really have. Seth doesn't know like all the, the in the trenches tour stories though. I mean, he was there for some uh, of it. Seth, we like to tease him and, and say that he only comes for like the really fun ones. Yeah, he's like in London and LA <laughs> and like the festivals yeah, and in like, the beach. And like, uh, yeah, the, the, the private shows in fucking 
where were we? Like Bali or, you know, where The most expensive flights. Yeah, yeah. We can tell you about the polar vortex tour and the the fucking like early 15 passenger van and trailer tours where you know we leave the we left the trailer open and like half our gear is out <laughs> in the street as we're driving away you know we can tell you about those ones oh hell yeah yeah so that's just had the cliff notes you know what i mean he just gave yeah. me like the bullet points of like okay this is what happened in their career and now i can kind of you know get the get the front line stories yeah but yeah. like I want to know, like, I think like a good place to start because I have both of you on here is I wanted to know when your guys' relationship started, if that makes sense. Like, when did you guys, did you guys start by working together or did you guys know each other prior? Yeah. So we met, when did we meet again? Was it 2012, Gabe? Um, or 13? Yeah, maybe 2012 or 2013. It was our first, we were about to go on tour. We had just signed with Interscope and we were about to go on tour opening for uh, Imagine Dragons on their first like amphitheater tour. They were playing like, I mean, I don't know if you remember this venue in New York, but like Roseland Ballroom, that that venue, that those size venues and then outdoor amphitheaters. And we were we were going on our first tour with them. Up until that point, we had just been touring the four of us in the band and our friend uh, Alex, who we <laughs> I went to high school with. I roped him into being our tour manager. He had no idea what that meant, but Just he was like actually, yeah, he was actually really good at it. Um, good with numbers and didn't mind driving and dealing with logistics. And the first tour that we brought Gabe on that Imagine Dragons tour, Alex was still tour managing and Gabe was going to do our front of house. Right. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. And we met at this coffee shop near my place in Bushwick and we just had coffee. Instantly, I got a, I got a sense of, of who you were, Gabe, just very calm cool collected matter of fact light soccer yeah you wanted to make sure it wasn't a psycho or anything yeah because that's really like i I mean that's kind of like the bar yeah if as long as you're not like a complete fucking sociopath like you're good you know you gotta be chill yeah yeah but that's how that's how we started and then alex after that tour it was so insane. I mean, we were, we were in a, again, we were in a van um, and trailer, a U-Haul trailer that we rented for it. And the van kept breaking down. Alex was scrambling to try and like, you know, we, we were in our early 20s. Uh, I was like 23 at the time. And, you know, he was trying to wrangle us and make the tour happen. We were chasing a bus, you know, so when you're doing that, you're like the headliner you know, was in a bus? Is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, the headliner okay, was in gotcha. a bus. So I'll give you a little rundown of how that went. And this is how the tours kind of all went until 2015 when we got our first bus. We would wake up early, early in the morning at like six in the morning at whatever hotel we'd been staying at, usually sleeping um, four to a room. Yeah, yeah. got to save that money. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes less, uh, but most of the time it was four to a room at least, and then maybe one other room where we had, you know, uh, somebody else or one or two other people, the lucky ones, we'd kind of rotate. And then we, so we get up at six, drive in the van to the venue, get there right before sound check, usually around like four. And we'd get out, we'd load all of our shit on stage. We'd sound check. By the time we finished sound check, we were first of three. So that means like by the time we finish sound check, they open doors and everyone's starting to go in. So you like kind of got a hustle on stage. Sometimes you get a full sound check. Sometimes you just get a line check. 
Depends how long the headliner takes to get their shit done, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we have a couple hours to just kind of collect ourselves for the show. We go on stage, play the show as people are kind of like starting to file in. Yeah. How long did they give you after Doors? How long did they give us after Doors on that Dragon's Tour? Do you remember, Gabe? I have no idea. Maybe half yeah. an hour. Or half an hour. Like not long. And then you play the show. You're on stage. You go, thank you so much. And then immediately you're on your hands and knees, like unplugging cables and, and wrapping shit up and bringing it yeah. off stage. It's Hustling. so it's so not rock and roll. We had no crew. You know, yeah, like yeah. Gabe was our only crew at that point. And it's you know, it was it was extra challenging because my brother is blind, so he needed a hand, you know, getting on and off stage. Yeah. He could usually pack up his own stuff. But there was always times where he'd be like screaming, like Sam, Gabe, somebody, where's my power cable? <laughs> Changing, yeah, it's you can't you can't do everything on your own. Yeah, yeah. and so so you know we it was chaos, and then we'd get off stage, and I'd go to merch, and I'd hang out at the merch table, you know, through the main support act show, and then and try then, to make that gas money. Yeah, try to make that gas money. I'd st I'd stand there, I'd sign autographs, I'd take pictures. Yeah, and then we would we would get in our we would load up the gear after the headliner finished and after we'd given enough time to like sell some merch. And then we would drive a couple more hours. We would drive like usually like three hours, two hours towards the next show, get a hotel somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and yeah. then wake up and do it all over again. Because outside of the, you know, the Northeast, a lot of the shows you're playing are, you know, are on average like eight hour drives san francisco to la not quite close these no. i mean it's not far but it's not close either yeah so that paints a little picture of kind of what we were doing first and gabe when you came to them were were you coming from tour experience and then applying for a new job or where were you coming from when you met up with i mean these five four band guides in a van and a friend alex well, I had worked with some other bands yeah i was basically like a tm front of house kind of person so I had worked with one of Seth's other bands. Yeah, I had done it. I, I mean, I moved to New York in 2006, and I worked at Irving Plaza and Gramercy Theater for about four or five years, and then, uh, and you know, and then I started touring and kind of getting out touring more and more. And then eventually, I just was touring full time. But I was still pretty young and inexperienced when I did X Ambassadors. I mean, you know, I kind of knew what I was doing, but I was also kind of just like figuring it out as you go. I think you knew you knew definitely way more than Alex did. <laughs> well, yeah, I definitely knew more than. Is that saying much? It doesn't sound like that's saying much. Alex, <laughs> no is offense, great. intended game. Yeah, yeah. Alex is great, but yeah. yeah. Hey, man, I feel like I was just trying to make it work, especially in those early days. It's cool that you guys met up while you're in a van, and then the thing I like is that you grew together because in a lot of crew and band relationships, there's growing pains, and they'll like you know shed crew as they get bigger, but. When did you guys get your first bus? When was it, Gabe? It was in 2015 at some point. Yeah, I mean, I remember that was like the happiest that I've ever seen the band. <laughs> got on the bus for the first time. Like happier than getting, you know, like Eminem tracks or, you know, like really big sinks and stuff like that. It was like the getting on the bus for the first time was like this momentous occasion. Yeah, I still, I still don't know if anything else tops that. Now, what was that like? Like, how did you decide it's time to get a bus? Like, what was, is it just a money thing? Or was it like, okay, we just can't do these drives on a van? Well, it's, it comes to a point whenever an artist is doing a lot of promo, like whenever, you know, a, a band has a song that's breaking out, 
becomes a thing where you go to radio stations in the morning, you know, or in the, in say noon and you do these acoustic performances. Yeah. You know, and that's before sound check. And so it just becomes logistically impossible to get to the next city to do that. And the other thing too, is once you start adding crew, it's sort of like a van, you know, once you get six or seven or eight people in a van, it's not really comfortable or even economical because then you're getting so many hotel rooms as well. I agree. I, th- I feel like I come from the s- similar vibe. So I understand what you're saying on a very deep level. And yeah, that is a good point. Well, I'm glad you guys had that. So you had, oh my God, I can't remember the name of the songs because Seth walked me through them, but how exciting was it to have a song get big? And then from what I understand, you had this experience at the Norva and that was like your first like really big show. And then from there, you guys kind of just... Yeah, well, it's funny. It's funny because the story doesn't really go like that. It feels it it kind of did. It kind of did, but it kind of didn't. You know, we in 2012, right? We had this. We had put this self-release this EP when we were going by just ambassadors. Yeah, and there was a song on it called Litost. There was a like a five-minute-long acoustic (laughs) string orchestration (laughs) ballad, and that got. Uh, some DJ on a radio station down in Norfolk, Virginia, fell in love with the song because he heard it on a playlist and just started playing it. And people people freaked out and people really connected with it in Norfolk, Virginia. It's and so, this is a, so yeah, random. I you love know, this story. I know. I know. It's crazy. You can't make this shit up, man. So the song got really popular on that station. That's a pretty big alternative station. Yeah. You know, at the end of the year when the numbers came back, it was like, our song was number one. Then it was like the Foo Fighters and some other, and and then you know like just go through the list of big alternative artists just in that one town and that one station. <laughs> and so when that happens, is it a mistake? What's going on here? Yeah, when that happens, your your song pops up on uh, this like database of bands that are unsigned that are getting radio play, and and like every single record label in the country sees this and is kind of like a like an alarm goes off and they all they all come at you to take meetings and we had a series of meetings we met with everybody big i think we met with warner we met with atlantic we met with um universal republic and we met with a bunch of labels and no one signed us because that was such an outlier of a song I maybe shot myself in the foot, who knows, but they, a lot of the, a lot of the questions I got were, okay, so are you guys, are you guys going to be like a Lumineers, Mumford and Sonsy kind of band? Is that what you're going for? And I was, I said, no, yeah, (laughs) not at all. And they said, okay, well, you know, it's nice to meet you. And that was basically it. So then we were back to, you know playing clubs again and when we'd go to norfolk virginia <laughs> you know we we played this place called the norva in in norfolk that's like hot a tub 14, venue yeah oh yeah hot tub venue good yeah. venue to be big at guys well good yeah. choice good choice yeah. yeah it was a good one actually uh and they you know we sold it out it was it was like a 1500 cap venue yeah and we sold it out and then the next day we drove to dc and played dc9 which is like a 200 cap venue and it was maybe half full and we're like loading our gear down the long flight of stairs you know our our uh, um, hazard lights had been on in the van the whole time so our battery was dead 
This is on a Saturday night. It was insane. It was like insane. We had to get a cop to jumpstart the car. As soon as we jumpstarted the car, we pulled out and someone left a beer bottle that was full of beer underneath the wheel and popped our tire. And so we were stuck there until four in the morning. This is the day after Gabe we tour managed out. all this. You handled it all, right, Gabe? You're like, all right, Gabe, I, I don't know if home. Gabe was with us for that. Were you with us for that? I was. Yeah, I was with you for that. Yeah, that I was ins- that was <laughs> insane. Hard to forget. Well, the thing is that parking parking in DC is so difficult. So what I did was I just pulled the van right in front of the venue and put the flashers on and left them on for like seven hours. Park anywhere that lights. Like, that's where we could park. Yeah, that's that's so great. Crazy. I mean, that's that is the solution sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. that's fair. But I felt like that moment epitomized where we were. You know, we we had sold out the biggest show of our lives and then the next day we we're in that shit. You know, uh, and then it wasn't until a year later that we ended up getting signed off of something completely, completely different. You know, we did a an acoustic video for a, a like a YouTube series called Alter TV in Pittsburgh. And one of the guys from Imagine Dragons or uh, I think it was uh, Dan or, or I, yeah, I think it was Dan. The singer Seth got me on this one. I got I, I got the my research in. Yeah, saw the video and he was in Norfolk, Virginia, because he asked the driver what he was listening to. And the driver said it's band ambassadors. He showed the video to Alex. Uh, first, he showed it to his wife, I think. And his wife was like, these guys are really fucking good. You should show it to Alex. Alex, the kid who ran, uh, who runs Kid in a Corner uh, Records, which is the label that we're signed to via Interscope. Okay. I met Alex from there and then we signed with them in 2013. So that's kind of how it happened. It's so nice, you know, just hearing those stories. And Gabe, I want to know from your perspective, like we know what the artist is kind of going through based on Sam's story here. But from your perspective, like, are you just in it for the long run with the band or have you because you're obviously you're kind of grinding it out. Are you just hoping they get bigger and you can grow with them? Or did you guys talk about this or I don't know? Like, what was your plan? No, I don't think you have a plan. I think you just sort of like do you know, it's like anybody who's touring is a freelance person. And so the only sort of like uh, commitment you have is whatever tour you're on, you know, yeah. and then if that tour ends, you're going to find something else. So like even with X ambassadors, it's like I would do a tour with them and then they would go on, you know, go ride or something. And so then I would go do another tour. And so that's why I would sort of bounce back and forth, you know, but I would always come back and do their do their tours if i could but yeah certainly early you're just sort of like grinding it out and you know it's like there's not there's no like guarantees that anything's gonna like work out in air quotes so kind of just uh waking up early driving you know and yeah, i would do front of house you know get to the venue and i'd load in and sound check and then we do guest lists and get hotels and then just do it over and over. you know it's like the cadence is like yeah Drive, do a show, sleep, drive, do a show, sleep, just over and Survive. over. Yeah. Was, yeah. was there like a catalyst though? Like, okay, from the outside looking in, we see the band has a big song, they're getting bigger, we get a bus, like all these things are happening that people can kind of recognize. But from your perspective and maybe internally, was there a catalyst or anything that kind of made you two be like, all right, we're doing this for a long time. We're going to take this more seriously. Because like in a way, like sometimes you're touring and it's like, okay, it's still working. Like, we're still doing it like all right we're getting a little bit bigger but was there a moment where like this is our career like we're going or was that always the thought i mean that was always the thought okay. i think you know it happens incrementally like okay. it's always like okay my guitar setup with my pedals and my guitar 
it's just like not working. How can I make it more efficient? I saw this person on stage doing it like this. How do I get that? Okay, how, I get that by making enough money so that I can hire a tech and have that. Okay, well then that's that's the goal. And you know, mm -hmm. it's like little things like that. Like having a bus, like, oh man, it's such a pain in the ass operating like this, getting up so fucking early, leaving the venue, driving so many hours. Like I'm, I have no, I have no sense of, I, I can't sleep. I like, I'm a fucking mess. How do I, you know, sustain myself on tour? Well, you know, you get to the point where you get a bus. So it's kind of like you have these little goals in mind. I think that that's how it was for, for us. And because we were also like, we were writing and touring at the same time. Yeah. We had, by the time we signed our deal, you know, we had already started playing shows and touring a bunch. So we had started to build a bit of a grassroots following and we wanted to keep that up and maintain that. We didn't want to just fuck off and, you know, work on the album for a year and then come back and have lost that. So we wanted to keep that momentum going. So, you know, the the stuff that was always right in front of us you know to like indicate that our career is advancing were always technical things like switching over to in-ear monitors from wedges that's a big point in bands careers i yeah. feel like that's always like a weird first show <laughs> yeah yeah starting to realize like we're always fighting about tempo so the solution to that is get everyone on a click and uh once you do that then you know you go to the shows and you realize that everyone else's drums are layered with track drums and okay. we want it we want it to sound that big you know it's kind of incremental like that at least for us i don't know gabe if you felt the same way or if there was a pivotal moment for you well i, I remember whenever the first single was when renegades was breaking and we were i started seeing the routing and it was be like um we were just doing these fly dates and when you're new to fly dates and you don't realize what it is you know i just remember seeing like okay we're going to be in st louis and then we're going to fly to tallahassee and then we're going to fly to seattle and then we're going to fly to houston and i just remember looking at me like what the fuck is this like this doesn't make any sense where's our booking yeah. agent let me talk to them yeah so you're just i, I just remember that in particular sort of as a an indication that something was changing you know uh, and so then you just kind of try to hold on yeah a lot of that just trying to hold on so you're kind of just solving problems as they arise and most of them it sounds like at least at the beginning are kind of technical it's like all right we gotta figure out how to use this new thing or solve this problem that's really obvious but once you guys get to a point where you're touring you're on a bus you're comfortable everything's kind of flowing what is the next step where you guys are like all right what can we improve in the day because we have a mutual friend, Graham. And when I was talking to Graham and I try, I, me and Graham are like pretty personal. Like we, he, we recommend books to each other. Like we're kind of on the same length. And he's like, dude, I really respect their process. Like their strive for perfection is incredible. Like it makes sense you're doing it on these ones that are necessary to survive. But when does it become like a self-discipline? When does it become something that you guys are pushing for every day? And what does that look like to kind of initiate or start? I, you know, we take our live show very seriously. You know, I am, I think it, it comes from, from me being a, a real people pleaser. I really want, you know, like I like, I love to be a host. If you're coming into my house, you're coming into my theater, you're coming into my show. I want you to, I want you to know that I'm going to give you everything I got. 
right? So as a performer, I am like that. And then I think in terms of our touring structure, I think we also strive for, for efficiency. I mean, Gabe is one of the most efficient people that I have ever met in my entire life. Everything gets sussed out so perfectly. You know, we're so, we're so spoiled. We're yeah. so spoiled. And I think that just comes from all of us knowing, you know, having just having done this for so long, knowing how shitty it can be. And and really wanting to um, create an experience that everyone that that allows everyone to excel, and you know you you want to make sh sure that everyone's fed, right? Yes. Because if everyone eats, then everyone's brain is working better, and you know you're you're able to like you move faster. Everything and, works, and uh, everything everything works like little things like that. I I think for for our our touring structure, and then you know. It's also a competitive thing, a bit of it too. You know, like we're out on the road and we see a lot of other shows and we see like, oh, they have LED screens. Okay, like we're getting well, if we if we get LED screens, what would that be? Or like, yeah, this this moment, this moment in the show, all they did is just like bring out the smoke. Bring out the bring out the cryo for this one for the one song at the yeah. end. And like, oh man, it just makes it like so much feel so much bigger and so much better. Uh, we should get that. We should do that for sure. You know, there's there's a bit of that too. Yeah, I think in terms in terms of the show, like Sam really drives it. You know, he's the driver of band and everything, so he's always striving. You know, he's like he's putting on a ten out of ten performance, whether it's like a you know a hundred cat club in Brooklyn or you know or play Red Rocks or something. But like in terms of the actual tour, like the tour management and the production management, it's definitely like I'm always iterating on things and I'm, I'm big on checklists you know so like if i forget to do something it's like i'll make sure that i write that into a checklist for the future until it sort of becomes you know intuitive how did you learn in a way where you could keep up with because correct me if i'm wrong here but when you started with them you obviously knew less than you know now and there's a point where this band is growing at well ari would argue a considerably quick speed you know you go from a van to a bus to some pretty big tours to some pretty big festivals. How did you keep up with what you needed to know so that they didn't outgrow you, if that makes sense? I don't know. <laughs> you just did it? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's I I'm really uh process oriented. So I just yeah. like just try to set up processes that I can repeat over and over again, you know, and and then you just kind of learn as you go and, and you just try to make it easier. Uh, I mean, when you're a tour manager or a production manager, if you're having 12 people asking the same question in a day, you know, you screwed something up, you know, whether it's well, like, I like that, that's good. You forget to put the Wi-Fi info and in master tour, you know, or if you like, <laughs> forget to put lobby call in or something and you've got a whole bunch of people texting you, you know, you, you know, you did something wrong. And so you kind of, take that idea and just sort of, I don't know, copy and paste it across everything. You know, it's like when if we're on a bus and truck tour, you know, it's like the, there's different times of the day where different people are important. So it's like at load in, you know, it's kind of all about the crew. It's like, I want to, I want the crew to have everything that they can in order to execute. So it's like, you know, they need to know where, they need to know where we're loading in or they, you know, they need to be able to see the stage at a certain time. They need, we need to make sure the local crew is there. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that they're fed and they have everything. And then 
as we get closer to sound check, it becomes more about the band. You know, it's like we need to make sure that the band is, you know, going to be there for one, and then make sure they have everything they need. And then, you <laughs> know, at the, the, end of the, at the end of the base night, level, yeah. show up. And then for the show, of course, too. You know, it's all about. You know, I mean, at that point, the crew is self-sustained, so that's all about the band. Like, you know, what do they what do they need to eat? When do they need to eat? Uh, they go into the gym, etc. You know, and then like at the end of the night, it's sort of all about the drivers. It's like, okay, you know, the drivers need to know exactly when we're leaving. They need to know where we're going. They need to know where we're parking the next day and all that stuff. Because I don't want to get woken up at four o'clock in the morning with questions like that. Fair enough. Well, I like I like that you have all these processes, and I want to know. I feel like the relationship between tour manager and artist is really unique in the touring world because obviously the artist has a relationship with all the crew members, but tour manager is really who they go to, to interact with other people sometime or talk to other parties. How do you guys like establish communication, especially for the hard things that come up? Like if there's problems, like, I just feel like you guys are so well connected. You're like one. Yeah. Well, Gabe and I, I think both are very direct. Okay. And I think that really helps. I also think that Gabe is incredibly good at reading people and reading the room Uh-oh. and nothing fucking drives me crazier than someone who doesn't know how to read the room <laughs> than someone who doesn't know how to read a social situation. Like if I get into a car with a driver and they say like, Hey, how are you? How you doing? And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Clearly I don't want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> right. So how's that? And a good good driver and a good driver, a good driver is going to get that. Yeah. And just like, or even sometimes I don't even need to say anything. It can, it can be as core. It can be still cordial. I'm like, I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm doing good. Going to your, yeah. What's your final destination? Okay, great. Thanks. Sit back, relax, enjoy the journey. You know, but there are some people that just don't get that. And that always drives me crazy. So I think the reason that Gabe and I, have worked so well together is is you know gabe is incredibly intelligent incredibly perceptive and also yeah i think the directness really really helps there's not a lot of bullshit between us it's it is it is tricky when we have you know whenever gabe can't be on tour with us and we have a new tour manager come in there's a bit of i think an intimidation factor that i don't even i I try to present as someone who who is very you know not intimidating and very approachable but i do think that like regardless someone new coming into the situation is going to be a little like tiptoe around me a little bit more and we just don't because we started off you know you go back. so so on the same level that yeah. just really helps make things um make things easier you know also i i have so much respect for for you gabe because there have been so many insane situations that we have been put in and maybe it's the (laughs) fuck maybe it's the like texas in you i don't know but like no one fucking no one is as calm and collected as this man right here i have seen I, i can feel it right now i've seen you break twice over the last decade that we've worked together i've seen you break twice one was what when we literally yeah, we, were we almost gonna one was like do you remember this it was in rhode island was it in providence it was in providence yeah 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 we <laughs> had been just set the scene set the scene for him and then 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 i'll and then we can talk i'll let you talk yeah i know you know the other one i'm talking about i love in, that you both when, know it that makes me happy you have in the, the polar vortex so there's the first one was the tour opening for this band called the Mowgli's in 2000 
12, 13 yeah. maybe. And the other one was uh, in 2014 uh, when we were on tour back and forth with Imagine Dragons in an arena tour and Panic of the Disco in like a large theater tour. That's a flex. Take, take it away, Gabe. Well, we were playing in Providence. I think we were first of three and it was like the night before the gig was in D.C. and the next night it was in Providence. And there was some kind of miscommunication about like, I think, can't remember what the circumstances were, but for whatever reason, everyone was unsure of like, like uh, if the show was going to happen or something like that. And so, you know, like me, my MO was sort of like, all right, we're just going to get up and we're going to go and we're going to get there and then we'll figure it out, you know? And so the drive from DC to Providence is rough because you got to go up 95 over the GW bridge and all this. Seven hours. Yeah. And so, you know, I woke up early. I drove probably the entire way. We got there. The other bands were hours behind us. I think we agreed that we could use our back line for all three shows. And so it's like we loaded in and then you didn't have anybody there to help us load in. So like dragged everything up. Because you were there early or they just didn't have any stagehands to help? I don't know. Maybe okay. both. But then... <laughs> We set everything up and we were sound checking and the venue guy came over to me. And he was like, you know, we had played like 30 seconds. Yeah. Sound check. And he came over and he was just like, you guys are done. You got to get off stage. <laughs> I was like, dude, we like, can we finish one song? Like one song. And he was yeah. like, you got to get off stage. And so I just pulled the fader down in the house and their monitors were still going so they could continue to play. And I just like lost it and just like flipped out. And I was like <laughs> yelling at him, you know, like, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like the only reason the show's even happening today is because we made it here. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, as it was happening, I remember it was like, I was levitating above my body, like watching this guy like freak out on this other guy, you know? And I was like, wow, man, that guy is like really, really uh, breaking right now. Oh, went super God. Sane. Oh, no. It was, didn't you get kicked out? You weren't, I don't think you were allowed to do front of house for us that night. No, I don't think it was that bad, but. They let you uh, play, did you argue long enough where they got to play more music? They got to play a whole song? Basically what I did is I just did that so that the band could continue playing with yeah. their ears. And so they're sitting there on stage and then they're watching me and they're like, what the hell is going on? They can't hear you. They just hear their music and they just uh, see you being animated. I yeah, picture this sounds like a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So that was one. Yeah. That was, you know, and then I felt bad of course, but push you to the breaking point. You know, he's on tour. He's on tour with four dudes like one of whom is disabled, one of whom is an alcoholic, you know, it was like fucking insane. Uh, and, and you were doing everything. So you were front of house and TM on that tour, I think. Yeah, mixing monitors from and merch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was doing merch, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and then nice. Polar Vortex. And these are both while you're in vans, right? Is that like, this is the other upside of buses. When you get into a bus, all the nature things that kind of all drop out of it, you know, oh it's a lot God. easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's easier for sure. The next one. The Polar Vortex tour was whenever we were driving. We were opening for Panic at the Disco and Imagine Dragons sort of concurrently. They were both touring and we were... Jumping? We were jumping. And so we started the Panic at the Disco tour. It started in Seattle and we live in Brooklyn. So we had to drive six days just to get there. 
and then the tour proceeded to go back east in new york and then the next show was in boise idaho so then we had to drive back through the country again and then that tour route and we ended up driving like five or six times i mean i don't know if you know that winter but that was 2013 into 2014 it was the polar vortex where it was like minus 30 minus 40 degrees just everywhere the initial drive to start the tour we were driving through wyoming on i-80 and the interstate was closed because the wind gusts were like 70 miles an hour so we had to stay in wyoming wake up the next morning and basically drive, you know, continue the drive. So it was like just this, the most treacherous drive that you can imagine that I wouldn't do now because I'm not as young and dumb, but you know, we just did it. You know too much. It was like a 14 hour drive through Wyoming where I was going like 25 on the interstate. Hazards on following the person in front of you or something. Well, the only cars on the, the only vehicles on the interstate were, tractor trailers you know and they were just blowing past us and and there was ice all over the road so we would just get in the rut of the other tires and try to keep up and uh you know the wind is blowing across and every few miles you see like a tractor trailer turned over on the side of the road and we drove and drove and drove and then eventually we got to i-84 there in utah and we hit a blizzard like at the end of the drive (laughs) at 10 p.m and it was like just coming down torrential snow. And it was like, actually like, we might die. Like, I don't know what's happening here. You're like in too deep at that. This is one of those things where you're like, are we making the wrong choice? Is this what it feels like to be stupid? We don't know. It had been so just, it had also been, it had been dead silent in the car. Cause we're all, everyone is fucking scared as shit. So like, we're all trying to like listen to music and just like be, I don't think Gabe was playing any music through the speakers at, at all. Just we like just this. quiet. And then all of a sudden I hear just like, bah! Gabe just screams in frustration and then silence again. And that's it. That was the only two times I've seen him ever break. And then other than that, we've just dealt with so much chaos and so many unpredictable things coming at, like you know yeah. coming at us and and the coolest calmest most level-headed person i've ever worked with and probably will ever work with in well deserved group. he's well practiced it sounds like you're well practiced gabe you've seen some yeah. shit yeah i've got some character <laughs> <laughs> i feel like van tours are so important for character building and like getting you to understand how good a bus is but man, some of the situations like you're talking about, maybe you don't need to experience everything. It gets pretty rough. It gets rough. I mean, we just did again. So the situation right now is that we just did this tour. COVID life us. Yeah, we, we, we booked it in May and we just finished uh, like two weeks or a week ago. But congrats. I have to congratulate you. I don't know if this is the same tour, but you did it with no zero COVID cases. I saw something on your page game. Maybe that meant, was a previous tour. Regardless. Oh, that was Previously. last fall. Yeah, we, we respect. Did well we done. Did. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that we, cr- that's we crushed work. that one. That's not an accident. <laughs> that was great. That was uh, that felt so good to get back into it. That felt like a normal tour. This tour okay. did not feel like a normal tour because we we because we booked it in May. Gabe can speak to this better than I can, but there were no buses available. And I think I think still U.S. from from what? I, yeah. In the U.S. Also okay. in Europe there. Yeah, it was a U.S. tour, but also in Europe, there's a bus shortage from what I no, and from what I've heard, there's there's a bus shortage and and driver shortage yeah. through 2023. 
Oh my goodness. Like people are trying to book tours right now and it's really hard to find a bus and to find drivers. So we did this last two week run in a sprinter van and getting hotels for everybody only possible because they were kind of, the whole tour was anchored through like a bunch of private gigs, which made it financially no production. make sense. Yeah, well, I mean, no, yeah, no, we're not traveling any production. We're yeah. basically traveling with just instruments and renting shit everywhere we go, which was a nightmare for the crew to every day have to be like working with new boards and new, you know, um, everything, new everything, new problems. <laughs> yeah, and so it was a rough one. I mean, it was it was probably easiest for the band because all we had to do is just sit in the van and drive and then play the shows. But uh, yeah, you know, I didn't sleep as much. You know, having a bus is is just so so good if you're if you're doing like a proper tour. It just, I mean, if anything, it's like the sense of home, you know, the sense of like your own personal space and you just don't have that in a sprinter van. Yeah. It's more just like getting you from point A to point B. It's not a point in itself. Yeah. It is just a temporary. Makes sense. Because you guys went from a van to a bus, I feel like you have a lot of respect for a bus. And when you tour, are you guys band and crew all on one bus for the most part? Or is it, is ever more than one bus? We've done one tour with two buses okay. with the uh, band and crew on different buses and nobody uh, we didn't like it <laughs> yeah where all my friends go Where'd yeah we didn't Where's really like it it was not it was not as fun uh it was way more fun to have everybody on on one bus it always is but it, you know then it's cramped and and you know it changes when people start bringing families on the road and and uh i don't know for 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 us we we uh missed it I got to know, like, I feel like everybody has rules might not be the right word because rules often aren't fun, but people have usually less ways they do thing on the bus. Do you guys have anything that is unique to your team that is like integral? I think I said that word wrong, but it's very important to how you guys live together on a bus. Gabe, do we have rules? Yeah, like uh, you don't have rules, but you have guidelines, you know, so like one thing I do is I'll take gaff tape and I'll label drawers and stuff like that you know oh, so like yeah. shoes, shoes go here water goes here you know this is casey's drawer and that sort of thing i mean rules like uh obviously name of your podcast is one but <laughs> uh, i can send um, you a sticker if you want it <laughs> yeah we'd love that you know it's like you're gonna the back lounges for some things the front lounges for some things you know you don't i think it's like an unspoken rule that if you're gonna smoke weed yeah. you do it in the back lounge I think it's spoken to <laughs> yeah if people yeah. by the people who don't want it on the bus yeah get in the yeah. back one nice little rule is you don't put your you don't leave your shoes in the bunk area even like at the, yeah you yeah put them in the drawers in the front so, you know people aren't tripping over them in the middle of the night little stuff yeah like. do you do you guys have to do like be extra mindful of it i know you mentioned that your brother cannot see does that alter the way that you guys organize your bus or maybe even make things more important yeah, I mean, it has, like, the way that we tour is different than any other band that tours, I, I think, because of that. You know, things have to be very specific. Uh, Gabe just mentioned, like, Casey has his own drawers, mm-hmm. you know, um, where he puts his stuff, and uh, and that just makes things easier for him. It's usually, you know, like, someone's got to, if we're staying in hotel rooms, there's always, it has to be, you know, he's going to need to have someone help him help 
grab him from his room in the morning. Food, you know, it's easy for everybody else to just like kind of fuck off and wander around town and, and get food. But if we're in a place that doesn't have Postmates or, or Grubhub or, or, yeah. um, or DoorDash or anything, you know, it's uh, or room service, someone's got to uh, pick up food for him. When we were setting up our the, the gear is a whole other thing, you know, like we went through so many series of like, you know, he would set up all his own shit. And then I started to kind of learn how to set up all his stuff for him and then did that. And that wasn't really the greatest because then he I would set something up wrong and he'd be like, what the fuck? You know, I, I yeah. Or, you know, he can't tell until he starts using it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then uh, and then we got to a point where, you know, for efficiency's sake, we thought it'd be better to to program all of his sounds on a computer and essentially use his two keyboards as MIDI controllers. But then his sounds are being programmed from someone else by someone else. So if you wanted to change it, then he couldn't. So now we're back to like this pretty solid setup where he's he's taken the time off tour to reprogram everything himself and he has full control over all of his shit all the time on stage and uh but then there are certain things you know that other someone else uh will help plug everything in essentially it does create an atmosphere of everyone just being a little bit more conscientious of 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 each other yeah right does do you agree gabe i mean i, I feel like it does yeah, I think it's a pretty conscientious group of people, band and crew. And that's who we look for too. When we're, you know, when we're bringing crew on, we want to bring people on who are on the same yeah, page, who have, who have all on the same page, and and who are team players. And yeah, you know, it, it's it's hard enough just being on tour. You know, if you have someone who's too much of a loose cannon on tour, it just like really fucking it makes everything so much more difficult can't read the room you get yeah. you, if they can't read the room what happens they out can't read the room and you know like look we yeah we've experienced that a lot of times and it's heartbreaking because we you know like have so much love for everybody who's on tour with us but you know if you if you can't get your shit together if you can't keep your shit together then it's just not the right place for you on on our on our tour on other tours maybe you know like some people like a little chaos and 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 thrive off that for not us, if gabe has know, gabe has a word to say about it nope no I feel like chaos does not. I feel like if somebody messes up on your tour, you know it's not Gabe's fault, and you know it's their fault. Because sometimes you can be like, "Well, I, I I didn't have the thing," and you're like, oh, "But it was here." Gabe's like, "No, this is this is running perfect. You fucked up, hundred <laughs> percent." And I feel like you would say that to somebody too. <laughs> oh yeah, in a blunt, important way. Yes, yes, he has on many occasions. Yeah, it can be blunt. Uh, tour manager demeanors are some of the most interesting, intimidating. Like, I know you're sitting down right now and I have to stand up to next to you and like see you working to really feel your vibe. But man, you guys are like both kind and scary at the same time. <laughs> do you feel that? Is, do you do it on purpose, Gabe? Do you feel that way? Are people like afraid of you? What's the vibe? Well, I, I'm pretty like unemotional for, you know, <laughs> even keel. As you even, say it. <laughs> yeah, even keel. So it's like people project their project onto you, I think. But yeah, I'm not. Sometimes as a tour manager, it's important to, to do that because if, if you're the tour manager or production manager, the buck stops with you, you know? Yeah. And so like, you know, something's going to, if you know, something's going to go wrong, unless you step in or say something, then you have to be the one to do that. Yeah. Yeah. For me on tour, I have to, it's hard because I, again, I'm a people pleaser and I really love to, to like hang 
and be a part of the community and make everyone feel not say um, no. Yeah. And, and also make everybody feel like they can be really comfortable around me. Yeah. But I, but I have found over the years that I do have to, I do have to kind of put myself in that position where I, I you know, I have to, re I remove myself from things so that I can put on a good show so that I can do my job. Mm -hmm. If I don't, then I just get tied in with everybody else's shit. And, uh, and also like, I think that if, if I don't, present myself as a leader and as someone you know that is somewhat separate even if i even if I, even though we're all in it together there does create a bit of a vacuum and in a vacuum that's when kind of things start to go a little crazy yeah sam will have moments where he's just like i can't deal with this like you, can you do this or something yeah you, you, you tag you tag him in it's like it's like mortal Kombat. it's like all right yeah you got, you got yeah. this one and you're like all right, i gotta yeah. sing yeah, I mean, that's, and you guys got a partnership basically. It's great. Yeah. I love to see and it. And it's and it's really and it's really great because Gabe Gabe does recognize that and kind of like it's an unspoken thing between the two of us. He knows kind of when when I need to um, not be a part of this conversation or when I need to be brought into a conversation, um, and that's really really valuable. And uh, and also knows when I'm like I need to have the comfy seat in the in the um, van today because. I need it. And, you know, like that's just Gabe will help suss that out. Gabe will help suss that out, you know? Yeah, you know, because it's it's hard enough for me to fucking advocate for myself most of the time. So, you know. And it's, it's hard as an artist, about. I feel like you're not supposed to be the one like shooting people down. Like you kind of got this, you kind of have this barrier and that's what Gabe is. You know, he's there to yeah. make sure everything yeah. goes correctly so you can walk in and do your thing. Yeah. I love talking to people like you guys because I think it's everybody's goal to have like a functioning partnership with good communication where everything just kind of works and you know i appreciate you taking the time to kind of just come here and talk about it thank you man yeah gabe it's good to see your face again yeah too. gabe was only on on this last run with us for two days and he was what? sorely missed what oh you got you've got life happening yeah he's got life happening I'm trying to take a step back for a little while hey man understood if covid is definitely probably a, you know everybody's got a new outlook on a lot of things or a, an unexplored one is come come in dan to our new tour manager though did a great great job i want to shout out dan dan crushed it on this last on this last room oh yeah good job dan uh good last job, question dan. before i get you guys out of here thank you so much by the way very welcome shower shoes or no shower shoes what's the vibe here when you guys are on tour i don't shower with shoes <laughs> gabe yeah it's a thing where you where i should but i don't always you know especially <laughs> if I, like forget it on a bus and it's like i'm not gonna go back out to the bus <laughs> yeah shower shoes you definitely and then, like should. where do you put the wet shoes when they're <laughs> when you're done with them yeah it's on the roof on a, in the sun yeah no. or yeah. in a plastic bag and then Ugh. they just get like moldy the and worse fucking... than the shower yeah i think you should wear shower shoes but you know it's just like everything else in life like you don't always do what you're you know do as I say, not as I do kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, Gabe, I look forward to experiencing your levels of organization sometime on tour. I don't know if I'm going to see a photo or something, but I like all your processes and your level of organization. It sounds great. And Sam, I hope that you upload more acoustic videos of you singing songs because that mood cover is great. Got a good voice. Thank you. Thank you. Just put more. I mean, just, yeah, well done. We so, got I'm, a, stuff, I'm a fan. We got some stuff coming. Thank you. All right, cool. It. Well, I'll be keeping a lookout for it. And um, thank you guys so much again for coming on here. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much for having us, man. Yeah, yeah, nice meeting you guys.
All right, this week was kind of cool. It was it, it's always harder doing a podcast when the guests are people I've not met because like think about it. You get on a, you get on a Zoom call and you got to meet these people and then right away I'm like, "All right, let's set up your recording. Okay, let's podcast." And so we kind of meet each other while we podcast because what happens is if we start talking before the podcast starts, we never stop talking because we're just excited to hang out. And then we lose all the content for the podcast. So it's kind of this weird thing. It's like all right, hurry up and wait. Hurry up, get on here. So this week was that, but it, they crushed it. Such nice people. And whenever I figure out who my podcast guests are going to be, I always kind of do research on the band. And ex-ambassadors, I'm guilty of doing something what I've found myself doing in the past with maybe like a band like Bastille or, or Imagine Dragons or these artists that I usually figure out about through big radio hits. I have the tendency to, or Lumineers too, I have the tendency to not take as seriously as I should. And that's because I just hear like their one song and I hear it a lot and I'm like, oh, they're like a radio band. Like they just make this music to get big on the radio, but they don't do that. Like these are actual artists that went through a lot of stuff to get to the point they're at and they're generally very talented. And sometimes I gloss over that. So I've listened to like acoustic videos of Bastille or the Lumineers or now Ex Ambassadors and God, they're so good. They are very good live bands they write good music. And when you hear a song on the radio, you don't hear like the depth it has to it. You just hear like kind of this compressed version. Like, I mean, like, I don't have satellite radio now. It sounds a lot better, but generally. So I always love to look up like this. And I, I told, I know you probably just got done with the podcast. And I told Sam at the end, I was like a big fan of your cover of Mood. It's really good. So if you get a chance, check that one out. But Bastille has one where they're like performing in a church somewhere. Like it's in Europe a really old building. Um, I'm trying to think of other favorite ones. There's like one of Bon Iver, who I love anyway. Like that's just one of my favorite artists, but he has a good one of him on piano. Uh, I forget the names of all the songs, but it's like two songs together, something about love. Like I'm a sucker for those live acoustic videos. And I'm not talking about like somebody singing and it looks like they're live, but it's really a recording that's been edited a bunch. I don't like that shit. It needs to be real, live, I want to hear them breathing. I want to see the imperfections. I want it to be humanized and I want it to be polished. And Lumineers did that for me. So Sam, amazing artist. If you get a chance, watch some ex-ambassadors videos live. Uh, his brother's in the band. Like he said, he is disabled. He is blind. But dude, that dude rocks out on stage. I don't know why he wouldn't, but it's just cool. And being like, wow, you don't even get to see where you are. You just get to feel it. And he still just delivers. And yeah, I really enjoyed this week's podcast. I hope you guys did too. It's just nice to meet new people and challenging to jump into a personal conversation. So uh, thank you guys for supporting us, of course. And uh, yeah, uh, what else is new? I mean, I'm currently on steroids. I've never done that before. My uh, COVID's lasting longer than a month now with symptoms. So got an inhaler, I got some steroids. We're getting healthier. Podcasting has been a little harder because I've been out of breath, but we'll keep getting an episode every week. I'm not trying to complain. I'm just trying to update you, trying to be a little more open about where, you know, where I'm coming from to, you know, the podcast is all about learning. I still want to relate to you guys. I still want to get to know you guys and hopefully, you know, tell you a little bit about my life, but Mark's good. Life's good. Yeah. I, look, I, I don't know. Everything's good. I'm happy that we're still going and uh, we're coming for you. Episode hundred sooner or later. We got like three months. By the end of the year, we'll be at episode 100. That's a good Christmas gift. All right. Thank you guys for all the support. I will 
See you next week.